Crazy Chester Radio Hour. Thanks for tuning in. The theme song you just heard is performed by Wet Willie's Jimmy Hall and Funky Chester. My name is Andreas Warner. I'm a record producer, songwriter, and owner of Crazy Chester Records. If you'd like to find out more about Crazy Chester Records or the Crazy Chester Radio Hour, check out our website at crazychesterrecords.com. My guests today are Donna Jean Gotcha McKay and David McKay. Donna Jean is a native of the Muscle Shoals area. Before joining the Grateful Dead in the early 70s, she was active as a studio background singer and appeared on recordings by Elvis, Percy Sledge, Neil Diamond, Boss Cax, Cher, and many others. She remained a member of the Grateful Dead throughout the 70s before embarking on a solo career. She's a member of both the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and the Alabama Music Hall of Fame. Her husband and musical collaborator, David McKay, is a talented bassist. He was a founding member of the Tasmanian Devils and recorded and toured with Michael Nesmith before joining forces with Donna Jean in the early 80s. He's currently playing with the Fiddleworms and is my bandmate in Mitch Mann and the Mojo Mixers. David just released his first solo album, a collection of jazzy instrumentals called Blue Undertones. In our conversation today, we'll focus on their collaborations and largely skip over Donna Jean's much-covered years as a session singer and with the Grateful Dead. Welcome to the Crazy Chested Radio Hour, Donna Jean Gotcha McKay and David McKay. Thanks for being my guests today. Thank you for having us. Yeah, thank you. So, I know, especially you, Donna, you've had a lot of opportunities to talk about your days as a as a session singer and as a member of the Grateful Dead in the past. And I thought it would be an interesting angle for our conversation Mm -hmm. to talk about the more recent years, your solo records and you guys' collaboration. So I would like to start it with the question of how did you meet? (laughs) Well, um, it was at a time, this was after my my uh, late husband, Keith Godshow, had, had, had passed. And I was having to carry on the band myself, you know, and be the leader of the band. And, and uh, it was a strange time, to say the least. And uh, we were looking for a bass player in the Heart of Gold Band. At that time, uh, Keith and I had the Heart of Gold Band. And um, our keyboard player, Mark Adler, had, um, was it he he called me or he called you? He called both of us. He called both of us and said he he was going to be around and and that that his friend Steve Kimmock was 
in our band at, the, at that time. So <laughs> this is a funny thing, but at that time, uh, you know, I was just like stressed out, number one. You know, I had a band, I had a son, I had a, a husband who was no longer with me and how to navigate that. And um, so I, I told Mark Adler, I said, well, you know, ask him to come down to rehearsal. And David had known Steve Kamok as well and played with him before. And and so David came down and uh, to rehearsal. It was chaos. When I walked in, Zion had just dropped a... Uh, Zion was the son that Donna was talking about. He was six years old, just about seven, but uh, he had dropped a Macintosh power amp on his foot or, or something. Yeah. So that happened right before I walked in the door. Yeah, it, it was chaos uh, to begin with, and we had to work our way through that. <laughs> so had David, had you played with, members of the Heart of God band before? Yes. What's that connection? Yeah, both of them. Um, well, I hadn't played as much with Steve, although we were all part of the same Marin County music scene, and we had certainly jammed with each other and were friends. Uh, Mark, on the other hand, was a very close friend. Uh, I had known him through college and working in bands, and we had lived together. And at the end of the 1970s, I was working with Michael Nesmith, and I moved to Los Angeles to work with Al Perkins, who was the guitar player in my, Michael's band. And I did that for about a year and a half and, and moved back to the Bay Area after that. And uh, I called Mark or Mark and I had been in touch, and then he called me one day and said that uh, he was playing with Donna and that they needed a bass player, would I like to come down? And so at, at that I did. time, how did the repertoire of the Heart of Gold Band look like? Was that a lot of originals or a lot of covers? How, how do I have to imagine that? Well, it was mostly covers, I would think, right? Yeah, it was mostly covers, although there were songs that Donna had written during her time with the Grateful Dead, right. and we did those songs, and there were a couple songs that uh, Keith and Donna had done uh, in the Keith and Donna band right after they had left the Grateful Dead, and so that repertoire kind of all mixed together, and... Uh, you know, carried on with the Heart of Gold band after Keith passed. Yeah. Did that version of the Heart of Gold band with you in it ever go into the studio back then? Or no. was that strictly live? No. no. It didn't get that far before things dramatically changed, you know, in how we were going to proceed in music. So it, it didn't get into studio or... Uh, we're going to make a record or anything like that. You're starting to play together, and then sometime down the road, I guess, your your relationship as a couple 
emerged out of that? How? It really you... sort of started right off the bat. I mean, we met and we we hit it off as and, friends. You know, as friends, and yeah. we spent a lot of time talking and getting to know each other, and we it it was an incredible time. Uh, we were married, uh, I guess, seven months later. And, uh, but it was, uh, it was just a, a wonderful time, I think, for both of us. And, and, the, and the cool thing is, Zion at that time was seven. Was he, he had seven? just turned seven? Just turned seven. And uh, he went to David at one point and said, All of these guys are after my mom right now. And he said, I, I want you to be my dad. And so that turned all the tide, you know, because, you know, Zion had gone through the loss of his father and, and he needed, you know, something substantial in his life at that time. And, you know, he knew it was chaos around the whole rock and roll scene and everything. And so he, he made that announcement that he wanted David to be his dad. And so that's when we... Uh, the two of us started getting serious about, okay, this has got to be something or nothing because, you know, we don't want this little boy to be just whacked out at about what is going on in his life. And so we started getting serious about who we wanted to be uh, as a couple, not only musically, but uh, how we wanted to relate to this stage in both of our lives, and and so we started thinking about it, and then dealing with it, and then going for it. <laughs> yeah, but not too long after that, I guess that original Heart of Gold band disbanded. What was your next musical collaboration after the Heart of Gold band? We had a uh, a, a good friend, a, a pianist named James Trumbo who I had known for many years. He was actually my, my brother John's best friend. And James, during the 1970s, had worked with Van Morrison and various people around the Bay Area. And we played music together. And then Donna and James and I got together and started playing music. And we did that throughout the 80s. I have to say, a lot of our time in the 80s was spent pursuing what Donna had just been talking about, we became a family. In 1982, our son Kinsman was born. And really, for the next 10 years, we invested ourselves mostly in raising our two boys. And, uh, you know, that's what that time was spent. Although we did, during the 80s, we worked with James, uh, writing and, and playing some as well. Yeah. And then in the early 90s, uh, we moved from Petaluma, California, which is in Sonoma County, to Novato. And Donna and I seriously set, began to set up a studio and writing. And then in 1994, uh, we felt like it was time to really pursue music again seriously. And that's when we moved to the, to the Shoals area. Yeah. And then you started recording an album 
that was titled Donna Jean, I believe, mm -hmm. with, I'll let you talk, well, talk do about. Do you want to add anything to what well, I? Well, just uh, the move from California was instigated by the introduction and meeting of Will and Janet McFarland. And we realized this was a couple that we could, you know, really relate to musically and everything else. And, and as well, my family was here. You know, I was raised here, grew up here. My family was here. My mother was in bad health. I had family. And so David and I made the decision that not only for family, but this musical thing that could come up, we wanted to in investigate. And we came to Alabama on vacation, met Will and Janet. We had only talked to them on the phone, but we met them and just went, this is the next stop for our life. And we knew that. So we packed up sold our house in California because of all the things that I just said. My family was here. My mother needed me. Uh, we had a new musical interest that we were pursuing after not being in music for a few years, you know, dedicating our lives to, um, you know, the uh, upbringing of our son Kinsman uh, and as well Zion. And uh, it just worked out that this was what was supposed to be for us at that time, and it turned out to be really right. <laughs> yeah. We're still here. We're still here. <laughs> and that first album you did here, where Will was a part of that, too. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Will Joey was a Hol big part of Holder. it. Holder, where did you record that album? Who were some of the other people involved? We recorded it at Muscle Shoals Sound uh, in the old armory building down by the river. Which is now um, Cypress, Cypress, Moon. Moon. Cypress Moon. And uh, the players on the album were Will, uh, Jerry Wallace, and Joey Holder, both played keyboard. Uh, Mike, Caputi. Mike Caputi was the drummer. And uh, I believe Mickey Buckins played some percussion on it. And... Uh, Charles Rose, Harvey Thompson, and Terry Owenby played some horns on a few of the tracks. Yeah. So, Donna, you had some of your original songs recorded when you were in Grateful Dead mm -hmm. and then on the Keith and Donna album, too. But I believe that was the first album filled with, with originals like that. Were those songs that just accumulated over time, or did you guys make a conscious effort to to write for that album. Oh, we, we wrote we wrote a, a few of the songs while we were in California. Yeah, most of the songs were written when we were in California. And then we came here and we <coughs> finished the other ones. And then in meeting Will, Donna and Will wrote uh, a couple of the songs. I think Jerry had a song on the album as mm -hmm. well. And, uh, or two, I don't know. But it was a collaborative effort. Yeah. At that time, was it just the album, or did you always wanted to perform those songs live, too? We did a couple of tours 
with that band and um, mostly up in the, the Northeast. And that was our first step back into really traveling and and we a so traveling we, band yeah a traveling band and <coughs> the band sort of evolved uh, the, there was kind of a couple incarnations of the band yeah uh, with with you know the, the players kind of shifted some Zion joined the band was the guitar one of the guitarists in the band with Will and uh, we a different drummer named Jim Erickson was playing with us, and so we did that for a while. And then for the next album, you revived the Heart of Gold band name, although it was in many ways a different Heart of Gold band, and it included a lot of family. Yes, but a lot of the family was the Heart of Gold band uh, initially. For instance, Keith... Uh, was the keyboard player in the original Heart of Gold band. And so here's Zion, his son, playing in the Heart of Gold band. And of course me, and uh, and then David, who was in the Heart of Gold band. This was after Keith had passed, but still he was in the original Heart of Gold band. And, uh, and then Brian Godshow, who is Keith Godshow's brother uh, played violin, mandolin, and and then our son Kinsman. So originally we had thought about calling it Godshow McKay, and I said I'm not having this again after all of these years of being called God Chuck's Mackey. I'm just not doing that again, and so we decided to go ahead and do the right thing and call it the Heart of Gold Band. And it was a beautiful experience, I have to say, um, of, you know, getting this family together. And it's not just like, oh, family, somebody's playing harpsichord and somebody's playing this and somebody's playing that. These are like exquisite musicians coming together and doing something really, really good. And it turned out to be one of the my most favorite things that I've ever done musically is that Heart of Gold band record. And it was called At the Table? At the Table. And one of the songs on it is called going to Florence. Yes. And I believe Brian wrote that Brian song. Brian wrote, wrote that song. And yeah. it's, it's... He had a little picture of the Renaissance Tower. And he had this idea, I'm going to write this song about going to Florence, just across the river from Muscle Shoals. And but he, he said, didn't know... He that, didn't know anything. He didn't know that that was the way that it was, that Florence was across the river from Muscle Shoals. But it just turned out, well... Yeah, that's really true. And so uh, the song turned out to be really the truth. <laughs> yeah, that record was, it was very special yeah. in many ways. It was, yeah. you know, for one thing, it was a, you know, it was mostly family. Uh, and like Donna said, 
people who had either played in the Heart of Gold band or been connected to in some capacity. But it was, there was something about Brian coming from the West Coast. At that point, Zion was living in San Diego, and he and Brian, Donna and I took a trip to California, and we talked to, to Zion when we were in San Diego, and he wanted to record a record with his mom singing. He had some ideas for some songs. And we said, that would, that would be really cool. And uh, we, at that time, we had a studio at our house, and we said, you, can, you know, why don't you come, and we'll work on it together. Then we drove north from San Diego to, uh, to the Bay Area, where we met up with Brian. And Brian had, was just finishing a, you know, a long stint with Dan Hicks and his hot licks as the violinist. And we threw the idea out to him, and he said, I would love to do that. I need to do that. I have some songs I'm working on. So Donna and I came home, and at that point, Brian and Zion got together, and they had never, they didn't really know each other musically, you know, except they had never worked together musically. And they got together and started playing, and they built a relationship um, and so we were all real excited about doing this. And uh, so there, there was a, a, a real reconnection of our family, I guess you might say, and a very deep, uh, you know, many levels. It was very deep, and the songs were just gorgeous that uh, Donna and Brian and Zion wrote. And Zion played drums, and he played guitar, and Brian played a five-string violin, and I mean, it, this amazing electric mandolin this guy had built for him, and it was, a, it was an incredible experience. And then the, their voices, Donna's and Brian's and Zion's voice, voices just had this crazy, beautiful blend. You couldn't tell sometimes if it was Zion or Donna singing, and... It was just an incredible experience all the way along. And then Kinsman came in and played some guitar and uh, wrote a song. And wrote sang. one of the songs. It was a beautiful song. And anyway, we could go on about yeah. that. But the thing is, th that's one of our favorite things. Yeah. And these a are a few <laughs> of my favorite things. Oh. Yeah. And a couple years later, there was a live album. And a few months ago, I went record shopping up in Nashville and I stumbled <laughs> up on this live record, which is called Four Wrecks Black and White Tie Dye Ball, which was a benefit where you guys play, but Mickey Hart was on it too, and different people. Jeff Madsen, who you, you know, later did an album with. Dave Nelson. And just. It's like, I guess, once in the Grateful Dead, you can never completely es escape those connections. But no. it seems to be so <laughs> natural. You know, it's it's not... It's natural. That record to me, it just, it mm -hmm. feels good. It has a little bit of that jam band thing, but very mm -hmm. much still like song-centric. How did that come about, that show, and then, I guess, the record that, that came from it? 
the Rex Foundation wanted to put it out. It was a very successful, uh, Rex, what would you call that? Well, the Rex Foundation was is a foundation set up by the Grateful Dead to benefit uh, lots of charities. And uh, our friend and Donna's future manager, Peter Kliegman, was, I, I believe that Peter was the one who set that concert up. And, you know, the Grateful Dead family is very tight-knit. You know, this is, you know, that it's an extended family of musicians. And so Peter was, I, I think Mickey was going to be in town, and so Mickey came and was involved. And uh, was, was that after you had played with Jeff and the guys at the... Gosh, I can't remember. I, I believe that Donna had played at a festival uh, maybe that summer, and then they they got together to do uh, the, the Zen Tricksters were going to be the backup band, which was Jeff and Rob Baracco and some of the other guys from the Zen Tricksters, and they asked Donna to come be a part, and then in turn they asked me to come be a part. But it was all it was all family coming together for uh, the Rex Foundation for the benefit. It, it was a, a beautiful thing, it was. And it got multi-tracked, so somebody either had a very good idea or, I mean... Yes, they did. They, they multi-tracked the whole thing, and then they brought it to our house. And we mixed it And we mixed house. it and uh, put it out as a, a record. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and a couple years later, the Donna and the Tricksters album came mm -hmm. out, which is some of the same musicians. Mm -hmm. Was that live record what lead to it, or did it just develop a friendship with those guys? It was a catalyst, but it was also a development of the friendship with them. And, you know, I immediately felt a connection with them. And it, it was just a love fest from then on out. We just decided we wanted to make a record together, and we did up in uh, Long Island, uh, which was Donna Jean and the Tricksters. And we had a blast doing it. And we went on tour. Gosh, how many tours did we do? I was in I New York for most of my life for several years yeah, doing it, Donna Jean and the Tricks. She was gone a lot. I was gone a lot. Mm -hmm. And um, it's a good album. Yeah. It's a good album. And I know your relationship with Jeff, who was the guitar player mm -hmm. of that band, continues mm -hmm. to this day musically. Mm -hmm. David... Uh, we just had an earlier conversation about you performing with them just a couple weeks ago. And uh, your last album features him yeah, uh, quite heavily, too. Oh, yeah. So uh, let, let's get to your most current album, which is the background album mm -hmm. that I'm talking about now, which to me is the most successful mix of all of you 
It really is, and thank you for saying that. It is. <laughs> Muscle Shoals, it is Grateful Dead. It yes, is just, it is. It is just, it has R&B on it, but it's not like a compilation. It's like one thing, and that's mm-hmm. what I love about that album, and the horns are on it and everything. Well, we call it, you know, San Francisco to Muscle Shoals or, or Back Again, which, you know, Back Around is a fitful and fitting name for the album is back around what was the genesis of that album how did that come about we wanted to do it <laughs> after uh, after donna jean and the tricksters broke up jeff and donna and i uh decided we we would all work together and um with joe chirko drummer and uh, initially, Mark Adler from the Heart of Gold Band was the keyboard player. And anyway, we we traveled. We worked uh, what for two, three years, I guess, uh, as a band. And we hadn't recorded anything. And so that that album was really a compilation of things that we did live. Some, you know, uh, some of it was st- uh, cover songs and some of it was originals that Donna and Jeff had written together. And it, it, part of it came together because we had been out playing a lot of those songs. And it, it, we just said, let's just make an album of things we want to record. Let's not put a lot of pressure on ourselves. Let's just do what we do. And we had written songs uh new songs that we wanted to document, you know, in the studio. And so that was one of the main motivations, was documented, documenting the new songs. And, you know, it, it's like when you get at a certain point in your life, you go, okay, well, uh, I want this to stand, you know, when I'm here and when I'm not here. And let's do something that documents uh, where we are musically. And so that was a real stringent motivation for us to do that album. Yeah, and you recorded the album right here at the Nuthouse right with Jimmy here, Nutt behind the board. Right here at the Nuthouse recording studio <laughs> with Jimmy Nutt. Absolutely. And although I guess you didn't quite tour as much behind that album than behind the previous one. In the meantime, Jeff had joined Dark Star Orchestra. Yeah. And Dark Star Orchestra is known to take set lists from legendary Grateful Dead shows right. and redo the show Sure, uh, in their own way. And you've been asked several times in what I just mentioned earlier about a couple weeks ago, where they ask you to join them for certain shows. Mm-hmm. Uh, how does that feel to you to be, because they are like, I guess they are their collaborator, but there are also fans at the same time because mm-hmm. they wouldn't be playing this music if they wouldn't be super fans. So how does it feel to be c- come a part of that crew and make music with those guys? It is so much fun. The first time that I heard them play was in Birmingham, and they had invited me to come down. 
and I saw it and heard them, and I was just blown away that, I mean, there's so many cover bands, Grateful Dead cover bands out there, and they were like several cuts above anything that I had ever heard. And I remember standing out in the audience uh, when there was nobody in the audience because it was a sound check, and just being, I, I was just laughing at how much they sounded like the Grateful Dead. And that's, that's a hard thing for me to say uh, because I was with a real deal for nine years. But um, I was just shocked at how authentic they were at what they were doing and how dedicated they were to making it authentic. And, and we became friends uh, from that day. And, and we're still, our friendship has grown. Like over these years, how long has it been now? 10 years or more than that maybe? Well, we first met them right after we had finished the Heart of Gold Band record. And in fact, the Heart of Gold Band went on tour with Dark Star Orchestra. Oh yeah, that's right. We did a West Coast tour with them. And that was before Jeff was the oh, yeah, main this, guitar player? Uh, John Kadlasik was the guitar yeah. player yeah, at John. that point. Yeah, there were different, a few different members of the band. But it, it's just been a joy to remain friends and be friends with that band for all these years. And like you said, you know, I did this show in Birmingham with them. And, uh, and I'm actually in, in July uh, going to do Red Rocks with them. It's the 40th anniversary of the Grateful Dead playing at, at Red Rocks. And so I will be at that show. Oh, that's great. Yeah. That's great. I yet have to see them live, but I hope I can uh, oh, make one of their future shows. They're all that they're cracked up to be, let me say that. Yeah. So around, I guess, three years ago, the core of the Grateful Dead decided to to start an offshoot called Dad and Company with John May. Mm -hmm. And they're hugely popular live. They mm -hmm. filled big uh, football stadiums and all that and have been, I guess, for the last three years, ever since they started that. But... Then you got a call, and they ask you to join them to play Bonnaroo. Mm -hmm. And it's probably safe to say that it's been a while since you've played in front of 60,000 or 80,000 people. It was a while. <laughs> How did it feel going back out on a stage that massive in front of all of these people after so long? Normal. It just felt normal to me. I mean, I, I, I don't want to sound weird about that, but it was just like I walked out on that stage and this is like, boom. This is who you are and this is where it's happening right now. Um, it felt wonderful and normal. And uh, Bobby and I have remained great friends, you know, over the years. And 
And then with Mickey and Billy in the mix, it was, uh, you know, about full circle. You know, we have gone through a lot. All of us have gone through a lot together in our personal lives and musical lives and everything. But to be on stage with them again was so normal and so right and so wonderful. I, I loved it. And I think they did too. Yeah, and they ask you to come back for several more shows on that mm-hmm. tour. A couple too. of more shows, the Boston show and the New York show, yeah. which was really sweet. So besides the two of you working together, David is an excellent bass player. Oh, yeah. And something I did not really know till you told me about you, you're going to do a record of all instrumental, also a composer. And uh, just a few months ago, you released your first solo album, which is an instrumental jazz-leaning album, heavy with basses, but not the kind of record where it's too much bass either. So it's just a very, very tasteful collection of songs and great performances called Blue Undertones. Tell me a little bit about how that came about because I know some of the songs you started writing quite a while ago. You know, not only do I love to play bass in a traditional setting, I'm a bit of a noodler and I love to to write. I have a couple what I would call high-strung basses that allows me to do chording and, and melodies. And so through the years, I've written little bits and pieces Uh, last, I guess, well, it was a couple years ago now, I was at the house and I was working on Stolen Moments by Oliver Nelson. And I, I said to Donna, you know what, I've got to go, I've got to go do it. I've got to just go record some of this stuff. And at that point, I decided, no, I needed to finish writing the songs that I've written, and I need to write some new things. And so I spent uh, the good part of the year writing and coming down to the Nut House with Jimmy and recording these things that I was writing. They were all works in progress, and I would put the chords down to a click track and then put a, a bass line on with it and usually do the melodies. And all the songs began to develop from there. Uh, Rob Malone, the guitarist that I've worked with in the Fiddle Worms, uh, he jumped in on the project and really I, I had in mind that I wanted to feature Rob's playing. He's such a fantastic guitarist and I wanted to feature the different sides of Rob as well as the different sides of myself and uh, Pete Lavazzoli and Freeman White, who played on the aforementioned Back Around album, uh, jumped in and completed the rhythm section with us. And then we brought in the Muscle Shoals horn players. Uh, Will McFarlane played on one of the songs. And uh, I went to California at one point and got together with some friends of mine. a band I was in the 70s was called the Tasmanian Devils. And we had, uh, we took a song that the guitarist and I had written and we uh, put that on the record with them, you know, being the rhythm section on that. So it was, 
it was a compilation really of different styles and uh, uh, periods of my life. You know, it was like Donna said, you get to a point where you have to do something that's representative of you. And I felt like it was time for me to do something that was representative of me. That's a little different than the norm of what I do around town, but uh, it, it was a big part of me. And to have friends from San Francisco Bay Area and friends from uh, the Muscle Shoals area come together and work together was really exciting. Uh, so that was my, you know, my statement, you might say, of who I am. And, I will add to that, that throughout all of these years, David and I have been married 36 years, and I have known him all that time to be backing up somebody, whether it was me or some band or this band or that band or whatnot, and I had listened and watched him be that person who will back up anybody and support, you know, be that kind of support for anybody. I've watched him do that all of these years. And so when he came up with this idea of doing something that he had written, that he was composing, that he was arranging and uh, producing, I, I was all about it. And hearing him be who he is, like nobody has ever heard him before, and it's really true. Nobody has heard David McKay play like it is played on this album. And, I mean, first of all, I was just like, every time he would come into the bedroom with the bass and go, how do you like this? And I would go, that's awesome. And, and seeing it and hearing it come together and, and him being and showing who he is as a musician, and not just a, you know, just, you know, that kind of of a player that, bless his heart, he has backed up so many people doing that for so many years, and it was just like music, pardon the expression, but music to my ears, to hear him be who he is, and to put that out there for people to get to hear who David McKay is musically. So I am so happy for him, proud of him, and delighted that this opportunity came up for him to do this. And it has proven to be, it's proven to be a great thing. And it's a gorgeous, I call it a gorgeous album. You know, uh, <laughs> uh, I, I think something that needs to be said, like Donna said, we've been married 36 years, and we started meeting at a rehearsal and just immediately connected. You know, it's grown, it's grown, it's grown over 36 years. But the greatest joy of my life has been Donna has not only been my partner in marriage, but she has been my partner in music. You know, we knew 
when we got together, this it's the two of us. And We're partners. All, you know, although there have been times that she is, I've not been part of the band, you know, her band, or she's not on every project I'm involved with. We're invested in our lives in those projects together. And I can't tell you the incredible thing it's been through the years to stand on the stage with Donna and number one, be able to share that energy. You know, it's something that most people don't get to do. The, this thing that is such a part of your life and such a part of your spirit and your soul and your work and your, you know, investment on every level. We get to do that together. And, you know, the times just when the energy has been so strong at a gig and to think, my God, my wife and I are getting to do this together. We're sharing this thing. And, and even the lows, you know, those horrible gigs and you go into a funk for a couple of days. You know, we've lived those, we live those times together too. But all this has just caused everything to strengthen and to mature over these years. There's that level. And then there's the joy of just being her bass player. And you know what it's like as a musician. There's something about being in the rhythm section and, and you know, and accompanying someone. It's, it's such a high thing. And there's, I think anyone that's worked with Donna knows that gleam that's in her eye when she sings, that joy and that glee. And she'll turn around and look at the band and give that big smile and dance up there. And it, it, it's just, it's the greatest thing to back her up. So, you know, I just want to share all these different levels, the satisfaction. It's not only her support in making my own record, which the record wouldn't have been made unless Donna was in there 100% because I just couldn't have done it on any level. But it's not only that, it's the joy of the partnership the musical partnership for all these years has just been incredible. That's wonderful. Well, yeah, I agree to that. Everything he said, I agree. <laughs> and there's an additional dimension too, because both of your sons are heavy into music too, and especially Sign is very successful doing that too. And I'm sure adds another level of gratitude and pride to know sure. that you were able to pass pass it on. Sure. Now, uh, it's to be noted that the entire time that I was pregnant with Zion, I was on stage every night with the Grateful Dead. And so all of that music, all of those drums, all of those guitars, all of the bass, everything was being pressed into his little body. You know, his makeup. The DNA. His DNA, everything musically that went on for his entire gestation was imploded by all the music of the Grateful Dead. And so Zion came out Mr. Music. 
I mean, how could he not? And when he was four years old, uh, the, the drummers of the Grateful Dead built him a drum set, and he was playing drums and playing on stage with me when he was six years old. So he's, he, he's Mr. Music, and there's no way on this green earth that he could be anything else but a musician. No way. Right, honey? He is music. He is Mr. Music. And then Kinsman as well, he has not, you know, gone successfully being out there like Zion has. But he is a great singer. I, I tell him he's the best singer in the family. And and he's a great songwriter and he's just he's got it too. I mean he has just totally got it. So we are so proud of both of our boys on so many levels. They're good human beings and this is what I say mainly is that I'm so proud of them you know for what they've done you know musically and everything but I'm more proud of them how they have lived their lives and what good human beings they are and Zion is one of the best fathers that I have witnessed being a father he is just he's an amazing father and so I'm proud of both of the boys in every way possible. So I'm just saying. Now we have another <laughs> generation coming along. Yeah. Son, son Delta is Delta. a musician. Oh, he's, he's a drummer. He's nine years old, and uh, he's got it too. So we'll see what happens there. The story has not been written yet. No, but, it's uh, not. But it's evolving. But it's evolving. Yeah. Maybe for people listening who don't know about science, music. Would you mind just giving a brief how he got into electronic music and what he's doing? Well, Zion has always had this sort of inner vision of wanting, what he wanted to do musically. And uh, it seemed like really we began to see it in the 80s, but throughout the late 80s and the, especially into the 90s, we could see a frustration because he wanted to do something, but there wasn't the technology to do it. And uh, all of a sudden, with the advancement of sequencers and multi-tracking uh, and how that uh, technology began to marry, Zion began to uh, write and track on his... Uh, on his Yamaha sequencer. And he had this, he, he's always loved electronic music, but he's, you know, he's always loved, uh, he loved the Grateful Dead, he loves Bob Dylan, he loves uh, Bob Marley, you know, those I'd say were his major influences. And he, he wanted the marriage of that music. So in essence, what's happened, he has a group called Boombox, and uh, he tracks all the music at home, and then he plays guitar and sings. Uh, he writes the songs. He writes the songs, and there, there's a DJ that travels with him who, you know, plays the machines, and uh, they're able to jam on it and go anywhere they want with the music live, as I'm, as, you know, the parts are all there to mix 
but uh, Zion is a, you know, he's a, a wonderful songwriter and singer and guitar player, and so it's, they go as a duo, and they play all over the United States. Uh, in fact, before Donna plays at Red Rocks, Boombox has their own show at uh, Red Rocks this June, and they've just been highly successful. It's an incredible thing. And they started coming together, the whole Boombox uh, vision started to come together when we were doing the Heart of Gold Band. And so some of the technology started to come together with Russ Randolph helping us with sounds. And so Russ was the other arm of Boombox at that time. You know, life is just like that, isn't it? It just moves. And it and it creeps into spaces that you don't think it's going to but yet it's where it belongs and and uh and that's what's happened kind of continually with our family and especially musically you know it's got to be something that's that's not contrived that's in your heart that's in your soul and it's something that you have to do you just have to do it you don't have a choice it's something that is so in you and so a part of you that there's nothing else to do except go for it. And so that's what we've always done. And and I think that's probably what we always will do. Yeah, so we're almost at the end here, so let's look ahead just a little bit. You mentioned the Red Rocks gig with, with Dark Star Orchestra that's coming up for mm -hmm. you. And your album, David, just just came out a few months ago, and you're still performing with the Fiddleworms and in Mitch Man and the Mojo Mixers, where I have the honor and pleasure to be your bandmate. <laughs> Full disclosure. <laughs> <laughs> and what you mentioned before, I second that. Being part of that rhythm section and you know growing together and moving together is just a beautiful thing. Yes, Despite, it is. You know on top of the friendship, which I think is something we all share, but also the music community here must show us that we are a part of. It's just... I've never been real good at, you know, alienated musicians coming together and just doing the job. I mean, we, we all do that, and there's a certain thing to it. But I believe that music in a true corporate sense is very familial whether it's you know direct family or extended family however it works there has to be a certain energy and spirit about it that really you know it's effusive of something that is uh very familial it's very relational and uh and, and there, <coughs> like you say there's something in a rhythm section where people work together and there there's that thing of knowing how the drummer breathes and uh, anyway I, I love that aspect of music so. yeah that's why they like when you hear the the term the band it was originally a band of brothers yeah it was not just this is a band it was a band of brothers and it meant exactly that and so the relationship between the musicians was brotherhood. And, and I hold fast to that today, 
that I don't think that should go by the wayside. And sometimes I think people try to make it that the other way. But I believe in the band of brothers. Yeah. Well, that's a great way, I think, to end this. Thank you so much for being my guest today. I just wish you the very, very best and great future mu musical memories. And I'm just real fortunate that I got to spend this hour mm -hmm. with you. Thank you, Andreas. Thanks, Andreas. Thank you. This was the 32nd episode of the Crazy Chester Radio Hour. We taped it at the Nuthouse Recording Studio in Sheffield, Alabama. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure to check out some of the earlier episodes and subscribe to the Crazy Chester Radio Hour. Goodbye for now. Until next week. Oh, 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 oh,